Welcome to episode 8 of the ZA Dev Chat podcast. In this episode tonight, we have a chat to Rob McLean and Gordon Beaming about C Sharp 6, uh, .NET, and Roslyn being open sourced. Before we get started with the show, we've got our first sponsor that I would like to, to thank. Uh, the team at Cloud Africa is going to be sponsoring our bandwidth. If you are looking for high performance cloud servers, that are fast, secure, and reliable, check out cloudafrica.net. Thank you very much, guys, for sponsoring the bandwidth. I really do appreciate it. Cool. So tonight we are going to be talking about C Sharp 6 and its impending release. And I feel that impending is is, is a bit dramatic, but hey, dra- drama is fun. So tonight's panel uh, is obviously myself, Peter Gharmesheis. Hello. Len Wines here. How's it? Gordon Beaming. How's it? And Rob McLean. How's it? Okay, welcome back, Rob. Um, so I think everybody knows who Len and Peter is by now. Gordon, do you just want to give us a, a quick intro to who you are and your experience and what you do on a day-to-day basis? Cool. So yeah, I'm a software developer at a company called Derifco in Durban. Um, mainly work on web applications and a client app that's currently built in Silverlight and a WinForms app. Main language is C-sharp. Uh, play around a lot with other stuff just to at least know a bit about. Um, I'm an LM MVP and also Elm Ranger. Just like to play around in Visual Studio, I guess. <laughs> And Rob, even though you were on a few episodes back, you want to just quickly give us an overview? So I'm a developer at Microsoft. I work with a team called the App Factory, and we produce apps with customers and try to improve the app ecosystem in South Africa in whatever way we can through education, through empowering people who potentially wouldn't be able to produce apps or get the resources to produce the apps they, they want to build. So that's what I do. So yeah, let's let's just jump straight into the meat of it. I mean, I'm not going to cover, you know, what is what is C sharp six or something. Uh, you know, I, I I presume that most people have an understanding that C sharp is a .NET language. So let's go with what are some of the most exciting parts about the C sharp release? Why why should we be excited about C sharp six? So I think C sharp six is very exciting. Because uh, it's the first time we've ever had a release this big since pretty much since .NET originally came out. We've got almost 20 new language features across C Sharp and VB.NET, which is quite a big change. There's also a lot of changes in internally and how C Sharp's been managed and how uh, the, the process is going forward on how we're going to produce the language and who's going to be involved and also what we're going to produce the language for. Uh, so previously we... Kind of produced C Sharp to run on .NET and run on Windows, and now we're producing C Sharp to run on anything, including Linux and uh, Mac OS. Uh, that 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 to me is something that that is really exciting. I mean, I've I've tried to to get a few of the things running um, in Ubuntu. Some of the things worked, some of the things didn't. But I mean, obviously, it, it's it's early days still, and and I'm I'm quite impressed with it so far. Gordon, from your side, most exciting part? I think the. What it's un- unlocked for, like with the the features, as Rob was saying, there's so many new features that just make it so much easier to write code and so much more efficient to, and productive when you're writing your code. 
I use I use C sharp six like so many times now. And then when I use VS twenty thirteen and still using the old C sharp stuff, I type out code and I'm like, "Why oh, won't it work?" And then it eventually hits me. Okay, I'm back with the old stuff again. Like it's it just even though it's so new, it just feels so natural the the, the syntax that it's unlocked for us. So I've got a question, Rob. You mentioned Nix as well as OSX. So for the people that don't know, what's the difference between that and the support that we've had with Mono for a while? So the guys at Mono have done an amazing job over the last five, ten years, I think, producing uh, the an equivalent of .NET in terms of both the runtime, a lot of the core uh, framework functionality, uh, and obviously getting a, a C Sharp six compiler or a C Sharp compiler onto other platforms. They did that with help from Microsoft. So Microsoft did help them, but it was their own code. They had to write it. Um, and in a lot of ways, they had to figure things out that had already been figured out inside of Microsoft. Sometimes it was for, they came up with better solutions. So for instance, they've had some very clever uh, support for being able to host their own C-sharp compiler for a long time within managed code, which we're only starting to get now with .NET. Uh, and other times, it's, it's led to slight differences. The difference now f- is that uh, one of the th- big differences is that we're going to open source, or we have open sourced our compiler and our languages. So the Mono guys can now share code with us. So we can take code from the Mono libraries and the Mono work and put that into C Sharp 6. At the same time, the, the guys on Mono can take stuff back across, and we can start to take the best code from anywhere regardless of who's written that okay so that's very interesting so um the idea is not to almost alienate mono um but it's to collaborate with them on making sure that um, the experience on non-windows systems are as good definitely uh there's definitely a a future for mono Uh, there are many use cases that mono is going to be in perfect place for that uh, the compiler support and the language support that we're just not going to get to at Microsoft Um, and I think it's more just about collaboration and picking and working together in a much better way than we've ever done it's definitely no plan to sort of kill off any one project for the sake of another okay fantastic so and the other thing that I um, just want to mention is the fact that um, a lot of people moving away from Windows onto OS X or Nex, um, they don't have Visual Studio, right? And there's no immediate plans to release Visual Studio on those platforms. So the one project that has popped up in recent months is OmniShop. And w- would Microsoft be working with those guys to ensure that like things like Roslyn works correctly with OmniShop? I don't know of anything announced yet around collaboration with OmniShop, but I can definitely see that uh, any sort of significant projects will will be definitely be given help. And part of our process nowadays is to open source as much as we can. So we've open sourced the compiler. So our entire compiler now is open sourced. We've open sourced the languages, obviously, that get built on top of the compiler. Um, We've open sourced our build tools and a lot of our core framework. so for people who are wanting to take it, they someone like OmniShop could take the current compiler that we have with Roslyn and put it into their stuff. 
I know with OmniShop, they've had their own compiler stuff. I think it's built on top of Mono currently. So they may choose to stay on top of Mono uh, in the future because it might just be too much of a work, too much work to move over to Roslyn. Yeah, I think there's a branch um, currently on OmniShop. I think they've actually moved over to Roslyn um, with David Fowler's help, I believe. But I don't know, I stand corrected jump in and discuss and you know you guys are throwing the word roslyn around so what is roslyn and why is it so important so roslyn is our new compiler at microsoft for since net was written we had a compiler for c sharp and vb that was written in c plus plus and assembler and it's been very difficult and very complicated to work with and over the last five or six years we've invested into building a new compiler that is built in managed code. So it's built in C-sharp and VB.net. It builds up on top of the .NET framework, the core framework as well. So it can run across any platform. And the idea is to, where the previous compiler was really a black box, you would put C-sharp or VB code in, you'd get intermediate language IL out, and then you could sort of run that. The new one is meant to be open. So you can take pieces of the compiler and use them in different ways so you can take our syntax tree evaluation stuff where it takes the code in and will produce a syntax tree that you can then iterate over and manipulate from within code so you can build extensions a lot easier you could uh, take the um, piece of code that generates the il and go and host that into a web page so there would be nothing stopping you now producing a full ide with a build tool in it that just runs in a web page for instance. Using Roslyn now, um, would you, and I know this is, this is probably a little bit out there, but would you now be able to build a new language based off of .NET that's just compiled via Roslyn, uh, Gordon? Yeah, from my understanding, you can do that. I mean, obviously, they've built VB with VB with Rosalind, um, so I don't think there's any reason you wouldn't be able to do that. It would probably be a little bit of effort, trying to probably the biggest part, the hardest part will be getting adoption. But you know, at least at least the options are there. I, I don't know if they were there with the previous compiler. Um, I'm not the kind of developer that's ever dug down that deep into the plumbing. I've always just found it interesting when, so I, as far as I understand, Ruby is written using Ruby and there are parts of it that are you know that have to compile down to see I could be smoking my socks here entirely so if if I'm if I'm talking absolute crap um Len Peter you know jump in and, and tell me I'm stupid <laughs> uh, but yeah so so the the, the Roslyn the Roslyn release is is pretty awesome and I don't know if we've mentioned now already Roslyn is written in C sharp correct well <clears throat> let me jump in here so Rosin is just a compiler. Does that make sense to you? Sure, for sure. Yeah, so it's the compiler. It has two parts. One part is the C-sharp front end. Uh, another part is the VB front end. And then there's a kind of shared core. But it's really just the compiler that's going to output stuff, whatever that stuff is, that runs on top of the .NET platform. So it's, it's like Java. You still need the virtual machine to actually hoist this code up. Ah, okay. Okay, and which does, and and like uh, Java, that that runtime does a whole lot of just-in-time compilation and optimizations and all sorts of 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 other stuff. 
That's very cool. So let's let's get back to chatting about about C sharp six, and yep. C- can I ask one question before? Yeah, that? sure, of course. Uh, from from the special, I I have never used uh, C sharp. I probably never will. Um, but I'm very very curious why Microsoft's doing this. What is, what is the point? I think with with the old uh, compiler, it just became too much effort to create new language features and as Rob said for the longest time we've had like a couple of language features each release but nothing really very big um, with the with this with using Roslyn now from what I've heard they basically accidentally got language features um, where stuff that people have been asking for for, for many years um, that exists in VB and doesn't exist in C sharp um, they basically just accidentally got it just because it's so easy to extend Okay, I mean, do, are they expecting that the open source community will kind of jump in and start helping them to build the compilers? Or or are they just trying to look cool now, you know, after years of, of not doing this kind of stuff and, and almost mocking the the open source community? Um, now, now it's all like open source and it's very cool. Like Microsoft's very cool again. I'm, I'm just trying to understand what it's, you know, what it's about. That's the... Uh, support from the open source community has been fantastic over the last year on Roslyn. We have had hundreds and hundreds of commits um, and from people all over the world. We've had great work with the guys uh, from Mono specifically where they've gone and uh, take, had a look at the code we've written and pointed out problems and, and helped us with that. This is definitely proper open source, not just, hey, here's some source code, look at us. Um, we are deeply invested in not only the working with people and getting pull requests and things like that, but also the design side. So, for instance, if you go onto GitHub and you look at the Roslyn page, all our design notes go up there. So the moment we have an idea for a feature, that goes up there and it gets discussed. And the comments from the community gets fed back into that design. And then we iterate on that and we go over that. And if we look at some of the features, uh, one of the features, for instance, name of, which allows you to swap out uh, hard-coded strings, little magic strings that point to classes and types and fields and things like that with something that actually points to the type itself. So you get compiler-level checking and things. That there has gone through five or six revisions uh, at the moment. And you can read that and you can discuss with the language designers themselves exactly why it's uh, being structured the way it is. And they're deeply invested in making sure that this isn't just us kind of going out there and trying to look cool, but really trying to work with the best people in the world. And we believe that the way to do that is to have this as an open source because that will allow us to reach more people. Okay, cool. And Len, just to add to what um, Rob also said, um, and, I, and I do believe that Microsoft is actually um, making big strides in that regard, is that as soon as um, they open source the, the BCL, um, I think within... While the conference was actually on, or while the t- uh, while Scott Hanselman was actually chatting about um, basically pushing the button to make that BCL open source, Adam Ralph already submitted a pull request for something that that was very odd, right? That it, it was some culture uh, specific um, test that we're failing on his side. Uh-huh. Um, so, so it's like the, it seems like they are really invested, and um, it, it's a, it's definitely a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that, and, and it should have been done years ago, right? I mean, this is, this is what we've been asking of Microsoft for 20 years now. 
is just to be cooler because you guys, you know, they, they had all this cool stuff, but they just carried on like, you know, in, in a very uncool kind of way. Um, so this is very cool, but it's, it's almost maybe like too late. I understand the people who are already in the C sharp world already using .NET will continue to use it. But I don't think you're going to get many converts from, say, Objective-C or Swift or, you know, or Ruby or anything like that. I, I don't know. Maybe you guys can disagree with me. There. So I, I am going to, I am going to disagree there. I, I'm just going to jump in quickly. I'm, I'm not the kind of person to, to defend Microsoft often. My, my honeymoon with .NET has kind of ended. I still like it, but you know, I'm, I'm no longer the, the ultimate fanboy that I used to be. The, the, the big problem they previously had with, with open sourcing the way I understand it, you know, from, from listening to different podcasts was that this is something that they've wanted to do for a long time. But because they're a large corporate, the legal department was kind of like, hang on, no, 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 you can't. So .NET has been source open for a while, if we can put it that way. You could see the source. You just couldn't do anything to, to make a change. And now you can actually make a change. They actually accept pull requests. From my understanding, there, there's a little bit of uh, paperwork to be done before your pull request gets accepted. But again, large corporate thing, you, you know, I, I can I can still kind of go with it. I was chatting to some of the guys at a rail shop um, in South Africa, and I was initially kind of wondering why Microsoft was bothering with open sourcing stuff. And they actually brought it up and said, you know, some of the guys at the rail shop knew, well, know C-Sharp pretty well, although they don't use it in their day job. And they're exceptionally excited about using .NET um, as their API backend, that there are a lot of features within .NET that they don't have access to um, with Rails. Mm. And, I mean, having, having, the, um, having .NET compiling on OS X, on Ubuntu, on you know on everything they now have that ability you know they might not use all of the features but if they just want an api running you know off of web api and the back end and and using c sharp you know they can do that now so they can still have you know possibly a little bit of a little bit of ruby a little bit of C sharp and then their JavaScript front end or whatever. So I do, I do think that that .NET are going to that Microsoft are going to pick up a few new converts. Oh, that's super cool! And um, I think people who know this world and and who know the C sharp language, yeah, they, and and if they're productive in it, go for it. From what I've seen of the language, um, C sharp itself is pretty school, pretty cool. It's got some really nice features in it. Yeah, I mean everyone. Like when you when you talk to guys at conferences and stuff, lots of guys they love open source, and just I think the fact that this has all got that stamp of hey it's open source, that mm. in itself yeah. just says to some guys like hey well I can do this because it's open source and I like open source. Sure, you you can come to meetings and hold your head up high, man. <laughs> there's that as well you know the, the microsoft guys don't, don't have to hide anymore um, yeah, it's no longer embarrassing right yeah. <laughs> well i mean you know a, a lot of the dotnet guys we know have never really been embarrassed by it or, or held back but I, I do think that the change to open source is going to start winning some people back i mean for for one i i'm, I'm starting to look i'm starting to look into c-sharp stuff again 
I mean, I think I've seen uh, Rob's um, C Sharp version six talk, I think three times now. And I've enjoyed it every time, every time I've picked up something new. And I really do like the features, the features that are, that are, that are coming out. Mm. Um, so, so we, we've now mentioned that C Sharp is, go, is open source. Um, will it be usable from the get go um, on, on Linux um, systems on OS X, uh, Rob? It is today. So today you can uh, go onto the GitHub site and you can, we're using Jenkins as our build tool and you can go there and uh, we have builds for both Mac OS and for uh, Linux at the moment. And they're, last I checked, they were both passing. So you can download the bits today and, and run with them. Um, so we definitely, not even from when we launch uh, C Sharp 6 with Visual Studio 2015 later in the year, it's all available now if you, if you want it. And that is incredible. That really is awesome. Okay, well, I suppose the next obvious question is Visual Studio is, and and, and some people will grate me for saying this because, you know, Vim, Emacs, and, and the like. Visual Studio is not a bad IDE to work in, right? A lot of people, a lot of devs don't have Windows machines. Are, are there any plans to bring Visual Studio to Linux and to and to OS X natively, or is that something that is still way outside the realm of possibility for a while? Uh, I think at at this stage we have nothing to sort of say about future plans for bringing Visual Studio. Uh, there's definitely nothing announced at the moment, so I wouldn't expect anything in the short while, but uh, that may change. So, Stephen, um, I mentioned the Omnishop project earlier, and um, it's pretty much one of my primary sources of coding in C-sharp right now. And it seems like Microsoft, well, as some I don't know if it's a direct Microsoft relationship or if it is a loose Microsoft relationship, but um, David Fowler um, is one of the guys who's like actively working with the guys um, at on the Omnishop project to make sure that that experience is rich. And, um, I, and I actually don't believe that Microsoft needs to bring Visual Studio to those environments because a lot of the time what happens with those guys that are actually coding on OS X or whatever is that they would have their Vim or Emacs set up there already. And what's nice is that they bring all the languages together in a single IDE anyway. So if you just give them another IDE, it has to be a significant um, change in their workflow to actually be and it has to be like super valuable for them to switch away from their default editor anyway. Or that's that's my opinion, I think. That definitely does make sense. I mean, you, you're not going to get a, a hardened Vim or Emacs user away. I'm thinking more along the lines of people that are learning to code, that are brand new to code. So let's let's use the example, you know, third world countries, kid gets, a, gets a, an old beaten up laptop with uh, Linux running, he can immediately jump into Ruby. He can immediately mm -hmm. jump into Node. He can he can jump into you know all all sorts. So Xamarin um, Studio is a very very good alternative, I think. Okay, I've I've never seen that to be honest. So that's 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 pretty cool. So the last release of C Sharp was three years ago. It was twenty twenty twelve sometime, right? Um, yeah, we had the last big release was uh, 
the C Sharp five release, um, and that was around the twenty twelve time frame. Okay, cool. So with with Roslyn, that is now super awesome. Is this are, are there plans to speed up release cycles, um, Gordon? Yeah, I think in general around sort of the Visual Studio area .NET and stuff. Microsoft is, I mean, you could, we've seen it with Visual Studio itself. Um, where they've moved to a much faster cadence, the release cadence. And I'm, I'm pretty sure as soon as Ros- Roslyn's out, we will get much faster um, features for C Sharp more frequently. I don't think we're going to have to wait for like a major release, maybe once a year or something like that. I, th- I think it will be probably... I'm hoping for at least quarterly, um, even like small things. I mean, it, from what we've seen of it, and I mean, in build last year, I can't remember who was presenting, but we added a new language feature. I mean, it was a small thing with with the string literals. We added on stage in like 30 seconds. So I mean, it's definitely possible to add them quite fast. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be getting them fast. And also, I mean, it's open source, so. It's not only Microsoft that that's driving features, but who controls who controls the features that come in? So I, I have this I have this great idea that um, I want to be able to when when I type a string that that says dragon, I wanted to animate something and run across. It's it's a stupid feature, but in open source in an open source world, I could open a pull request. Who would actually review? that pull request and more importantly who gets to veto that pull request so ideally long before you get to the point of writing the code and doing the pull request you would actually submit that onto the issues list on github and put it down as something you want and from there the language designers people like mads and anders would actually comment on that so and feed back to you why it's either a good idea or a bad idea and discuss it from there Let's say that everyone does agree with you because it does sound like a pretty cool feature to have animated dragons across our screens. Then that would be put into the language spec and we would iterate over that in a more formal way. So we'd actually put that into a design spec doc and break it down into all the terms that we use and have all the syntax broken out and do some prototyping and things like that. And at the same time, the the community at large could be contributing to those. They could be building examples. They could be exploring it. They could be building code, uh, working on a branch potentially that just focuses on that. Um, but at the end of the day, while we totally do, we'll take in all suggestions and look at all suggestions, it's not a guarantee that all suggestions will make it into the language. So something like XML literals for C Sharp is a great example of that. It's a feature in VB.net. It's been asked for in C-Shop for years and years and years. Um, and if you go on to GitHub, it's probably one of the most debated topics at the moment. And the language designers are very clear that that's probably not ever going to make it in, despite it being one of the most requested features, because it doesn't fit with the overall vision of the language and where they want the language to evolve to. So the way I like to think of this is it's very much a benevolent sort of dictatorship. There is a bunch of people who who are deeply invested and deeply uh, concerned about this, but they are motivated and driven by the community and will try to steer the community into the right decisions if they see the community kind of heading down the wrong path, but ultimately uh, will take, you know, the notice of the community as one of their biggest indicators. 
So can, can I jump in there? So yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so first of all, you need to sign that contributor's license agreement if you want to stick code into it. And that's pretty innocuous. Like almost every open source project uh, has a license like that. So it's basically it says if you're going to write code and you're going to request it to be put into these projects, you agree that that code then becomes part of the project and you relinquish any rights to it. Totally so you can't correct. Go yeah. And like, yeah, you can't go and yeah. like fix something and then later on go, hey, that belongs to me. You guys owe me a million bucks or something. Correct, yeah. And it, it's obviously to, you know, from the legal side, that's protect ourselves at Microsoft, but also to protect our customers. We don't want uh, somebody coming along and, uh, you know, a few years down the line and, and threatening our customers, as we saw with uh, back in the Linux days, there was, I can't remember who it was, but they had some patents. Sco, and, Sco Unix. Yes, yeah. it was Sco. Yeah, 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 and, you know, th- this it's is, that this sort is, of thing. Well, no, not really. This is more about the project itself. Like, I can't, I can't come and scupper the project. Sure. You know, I agree that if I'm going to put code into this project, it then belongs to the project. Like Correct, that's yeah. That's in essence it is. I mean, the second thing to understand is this thing is now in the open source. So I'm just looking at this is, okay, first of all, everything is now owned by something called the .NET Foundation. Um, and it's it's Microsoft is not even mentioned on the pages yet. It's quite interesting. So there, there's an actual company called the .NET Foundation. But if I look at the repos in GitHub, uh, the core CLR has 775 forks in GitHub. So what that means is if I kind of, kind of completely disagree with what's going on in this core CLR thing, and I want feature X, I can go and fork it. And add that feature, and you can have Lens CLR, if you like, my feature. I mean, this has just happened recently in the Node.js community with io.js. A bunch of guys just said, look, we don't like what you're doing. We disagree with the core language design. We're going to go and put these other ESX features in like you know, right now and, and call it something else. And they've got a whole lot of support. And that's, I think, the real power of the open source thing, which is, you know, for years people have been saying to Microsoft, you know, we really need this feature. And Microsoft hasn't kind of prioritized it for whatever um, reason. You know, but now now it's out there. And I, as far as I understand from the licensing agreement that it's released under, they can't take it back. Totally correct. But it's it's out there. It's... Now, as you say, it's owned by the .NET Foundation, uh, which is a separate organization from Microsoft. And uh, they now own many of the open source projects that Microsoft has released so that Microsoft can't be seen to sort of be dictating and threatening and to take it away at some point in the future. Um, and it, you're rightly so. If that this system of benevolent dictatorship isn't working, there is nothing stopping anyone from going and taking Roslyn and forking it and putting in the features they want and releasing it. And, you know, with the first betas of Roslyn, which shipped on top of Visual Studio 2013, they shipped as NuGet packages, so sort of like uh, gems on Ruby, where they could just be deployed with the projects. And that would allow anyone to sort of just swap out the compiler going forward. Uh, And we could definitely have a change of compiler languages if that was to happen, if there was enough people wanting to adopt it. Totally, hundred percent correct. Yeah, and then just um, on the .NET Foundation, um, something from the previous podcast um, is Martin Woodward. Um, he's 
recently become the executive director of uh, .NET Foundation. And one of the th things that's interesting that he was that um, he was telling me is that sixty uh, percent of the pull requests approved um, for the the big repositories are from guys outside of Microsoft. Um, so we we're asking like, do we think guys are going to get involved? And from the stats, apparently they are. Hmm. That is that is really awesome. I mean, the the whole point with 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 making everything open source is that you would bring the community into it, and you would hope that the community would actually buy in and and do stuff. So, Len, I'm really glad you 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 went and and discussed the forking because that was exactly what what I was leaning what what my next point was going to be. Um, the one thing I want to come back to is Rob something you said about having the benevolent dictators i still think that that is is a good idea and i think with most languages and most frameworks you you've got that person at the top that you know this is this is their baby essentially they've got a good idea for what's happening you know for what, what what's good for the language and what they want to have happen in the language what's nice with having um c-sharp open sourced now um is that we now have more contact with um with with anders that we can actually propose things and he can have a look at it directly i'm pretty sure before that we could have dropped him a mail or something like that but you know then it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation it's not a conversation that's open in the community that other people can pick up on and and discuss so that that i think is 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 really cool yeah, and any other questions uh, from Len, Peter, or anything, Rob, uh, you or Gordon want to bring up? Um, so I think just the, going back to open source side of it, another just a big change around that is just it's an internal cultural change at Microsoft as well. So I remember when the first piece of open source software came from Microsoft, it was a tool called Wix, um, and it took almost a year with legal to get approval just to open source this tiny little tool. Uh, that really didn't matter much in the world. Uh, and it was great that it happened. But now it's a lot easier to do that. Uh, I saw Miguel de Keza from the Mono team uh, and Xamarin asking for the build tools from Microsoft to be open sourced. And that was earlier in the year. And within a few months, all our build tools became open source as well and now run on Linux and Mac as well. So it's... Yeah, you know, I, I totally hear what Len's saying. For a long time, Microsoft wasn't open sourcing things, and I think there were many barriers uh, around that. But now, if there are ways to open source something, then and there's a good case out there that's been made, then it seems to be happening every time. I also wonder if the legal department wasn't, you know, waiting to get sued. <laughs> you know, so we'll we'll make this open source and we'll wait and we'll see how it goes, and it's gone pretty well. So you know, if if you think of it from I mean, as devs, we I don't think we've got much issue with sharing code. You know, the the big thing that we could possibly make money off is the you know is the is the implementation of an idea. How that idea is coded, you know, it all comes down to basic code. But from a legal point of view, I mean, that's that's their property, their IP, or at least you know historically it has been. So now relinquishing control to the public at large for a bunch of legal eagles must have been uh, quite quite dangerous. Um, well, not, not not dangerous, just worrying from their side. So the the releasing to the open source isn't about um, them getting sued. It's more about patents. Yeah? 
remember the certain of the techniques in like the CLR or certain of the algorithms are covered by you know patents and and Microsoft has to be very careful like Sun had to go through the same sort of process when it open sourced the you know the Java stuff just to be careful that um, they might have licensed something to a customer uh, under you know a certain agreement where the intellectual property is protected or you know there's a grant on a patent or something and now you're changing that model i think it's it's more around that that the the lawyers and that's that's what takes time so they've probably spent a long time internal to microsoft cleaning up stuff before this can happen so let's let's bring let's bring the conversation back to back to c sharp so it, rob let, let's kick off with you um can you give us an idea of what are your some of your favorite features coming out in C-Sharp 6? So the two f- features that I think are the most interesting um, for me are the string interpolation. So this is a way of allowing strings to, within the string itself, contain bo- blocks of code. What this will allow you to achieve is, for many scenarios where we have been using uh, string concatenation or string f- dot format or string builder or something like that, we can replace it with just a string that now actually has the code in line. And what I like about it is that it hasn't attempted to try and sort of be the perfect one solution for every scenario, and we must just get rid of string.format and string builder. It really is a, a solution that works in conjunction with the existing stuff. It has a few limitations. For instance, the blocks of code can only be a single statement in length, uh, and a single statement is fairly long, or can be fairly long, but that sort of limits you from making horrendous pieces of code, and I kind of like that sort of feature. Uh, the other one is something I like to call the nullet operator. Uh, its actual name is the null propagation operator, and it's a question mark and a dot, so it looks like two eyes and a bit of hair, and it reminds me a little bit of a mullet, so uh, that's why I like to I refer to it as the nullet operator. And what this allows us to do is to work or try to try and make working with null reference exceptions a lot better so currently we have to do a number of checks if you are looking at an object and it has a number of properties you have to check if the object is null before you check the values of the properties now you can just say the object question mark dot and the property and it will do the checks for you there and return null if the object is null um without even having to check the property and raising potentially a null reference exception. That for me is a really great feature. And that is the feature that I cannot, I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Ever, ever since I saw it, uh, when you presented at the dev user group, I think about a month, I think it was last month. Uh, every time I see code now that, that checks for null, I'm like, Ooh, I want to put a nullet in. I want to nullet, you know, for the first time in years, having a, yeah having a mullet would be would be cool again (laughs) Uh, i don't know if a mullet's cool but sure Uh, i live on the east rand mullets have not gone out of fashion right (laughs) i'm just saying (laughs) so yeah i I really i really do like the nullet operator and i really hope that microsoft takes that name to heart because that really is just an awesome name for it uh, uh, Gordon, what are your favorite features coming up? So, so one of my most favorite features when C Sharp 6 was first like released so we could play with it um, was the, the inline like uh, 
declaration expre- expressions. So if you had like a try pass, you could declare your out variable in your try pass. And then, unfortunately, that feature got dropped. So now I've got new favorite features, um, <laughs> uh, what, which now is basically the uh, the property expressions. So now I can declare a whole property um, on one line. So I could, in in my class, I would have like a first name and a last name. And instead of having... Uh, something that basically every time one of those updates goes and updates the display line, I can just say that the display line, this display line value um, is made up of first name plus space plus last name, which is really cool because it, it takes like four or five lines of code and just makes it now into one line that's really easy to read. Um, and then yeah, my other favorite feature is that string interpolation that Rob was talking about. Um, again, it just it makes code look so much cleaner, uh, which is, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, is one of the reasons I like C# six. Yeah, it, it seems to be pushing to a, a much cleaner form of code. Um, one thing Rob mentioned during his talks is that with previous versions of C# there was a lot of ceremony around doing certain you know rather basic things, and with the elimination of that of that ceremony the code is starting to look a lot cleaner and is starting to read a lot easier and code readability is something that is that is quite high on my list of of things that i look at uh, when, when i try a new language i tried a a functional language recently so i know nothing about functional yet i still want to get into functional stuff and i thought you know i just wonder what the language itself looks like what it what does the code look and i popped it up and i took one look at it and i thought no no oh it was lisp i just thought no i'm 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 not touching you 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 don't look nice <laughs> and i'm sure it's really powerful and I think Len is probably like rushing at me with a hammer now from from across the province, but you know I think Lisp looks Lisp looks ugly. So there, C sharp C sharp is starting to read a lot better. Yeah, and I think I mean, another thing that's really nice now that I didn't actually know we couldn't do until I heard Rob's talk twice is that we couldn't await in our exception blocks, and since he's told me that I've now I realize that lots of my code actually needs that, and I just never used it. I sort of did by accident, fire and forget. And yeah, so that that must definitely be in my top three. Really cool. Uh, Len, Peter, any any questions or any input from your side? Well, I mean, apart from your uh, you know misinformed uh, attitude towards Lisp, what can I say? You move the brackets around, it's beautiful, man. <laughs> I'm just... Uh, I was looking through the the list of things. It doesn't it doesn't seem like a lot of new stuff in the language. I mean, it's it's interesting when you change the syntax to get you know simplifications like the the getter only auto properties. I mean, it's kind of nice, but none of the stuff seems really uh, fundamental apart from the expression bodied function members. That seems pretty cool. Like the the static stuff seems alright, and mm. the uh, uh, as Gordon was saying, the await in the in the catch blocks, like yeah, I mean that does seem like a hole that's been patched. Yeah, no, look, so, so I, I definitely do agree with you that from a from a non .NET developer point of view, some of the features seem very like okay. So why is that amazing? 
But uh, that being said, all of the, the there are a lot of .NET developers in South Africa that have probably never tried another programming language, and mm-hmm. you know, from a language point of view, these features are are, are really cool. Uh, I I think. I think that they're going to make a lot of people very happy. Mm. I just want to, I just want to jump back to one thing quickly. Um, and it's something that I don't think I've ever seen mentioned in any .NET release is feature deprecation. Has there been anything that has been deprecated in C sharp six or does the team as a whole, not really deprecate features, just change the way they work beneath the covers? So with C-Sharp 6 and with VBE 14, there's no deprecation. Um, And you're right. From the language perspective, we've never deprecated a feature of the languages. We have deprecated in sort of the framework levels and and the runtime and places like that, but never in the actual languages. And the main motivation for that is compatibility. Um, What is great with something like C-Sharp 6 is you can take C-Sharp 6 today and you can write it, and you can still compile that to... uh, older versions of .NET. So you're not required to only run on top of .NET 4.5.1, I think is going to be the name, um, or the, you know, the latest version. And so that does require a lot of compatibility. And that also means that that compatibility, if you are bringing up an older application, something that you've been working on for years, I know banks that have .NET applications that are now approaching 10 years, and they can move that over and not run into language level issues, which are fundamentally more complex to solve than, say, uh, deprecating an, a framework feature and replacing it with some other framework feature. I'm, I'm happy with that. All right, before we move on to picks, um, any, last, um, any last questions, Len, Peter? Well, sure. Uh, what's next? I mean, this is the C-Sharp 6.0 release. It's kind of out in the open source. What's, what's 6.1? What's 7? What's coming? So the first draft of the C-Sharp 7 uh, ideas and the designs thing documentation has actually been released onto GitHub. It was released about a month ago. Um, and the plan is a number of features there, nulls and working more with nulls um, and trying to make nulls less of a headache for developers is definitely high on that list. There is talk about going and looking now that we have Roslyn, uh, looking through to th- some more uh, adoption and advanced techniques around metaprogramming. Um, and I know Anders is very keen in that sort of space to have more meta-programming-like constructs and syntax in the language itself than we have at the moment. So they are those sort of features that are potentially coming further down the line. Okay, great. Thanks. And uh, Rob, Gordon, is there anything that we, that we haven't spoken about tonight that you would like to raise quickly? Uh, nothing from my side. I think we've, we've done a great sort of treatment over, over the language. And sort of the changes to the the culture of the teams involved. Cool. So we've touched visuals. We've touched .NET on its Visual Studio, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit that out later because that was really lame. <laughs> cool. So before I go ahead and steal anybody's pick, like I did last <laughs> week, hey Len, would you like to start and, and give us your your tech pick pick of the week? Well, I, I do think this the GitHub.net uh, re, uh, repository is pretty cool. It's it's really interesting to to read. For example, as Rob was just saying, there is an issue 
I'm just pasting in there for the notes. But the .NET Roslyn issue number 98 is the C-Shop design notes meetings for what's coming up next. And it's it's really, really interesting. Cool. Um, that's it from my side. Cool. Rob? Uh, so, keeping with my last appearance on this great podcast, I have four picks because I like being... Uh, you know selfish or greedy about no, this no there's no such thing so, share uh, all the knowledge so uh as you, as you mentioned uh steve earlier that i've written a whole series about c sharp 6 on my website at sadev.co.za so there is 10 or 11 blog posts at the moment um and so if you are looking for information about that uh that's all available up there um and then in terms of something kind of interesting for Anyone that I've recently found and am quite enjoying working with is a web tool called InterviewZen, and it's just a great uh, web page that you can give to people to fill in uh, programming questions for an interview, or programming answers, rather, for an interview. And it does quite a lot of clever things around recording, and so you can see how they're working and what their process is, and it's a very clever, clever piece of software. Um, Then... If you are interested more in where Microsoft's going, some of the things like HoloLens and Visual Studio 2015 and so on, uh, we're very lucky that we're the only country in the Middle East and Africa to get a build conference coming up in June. So at johannesburg.build15.com, we'll have a, you can register and and come to the free one-day conference where we're going to have speakers out from Seattle to come and speak about all the new things that are coming down the line, like HoloLens and uh, C-sharp and so on. Um, and then lastly, just as a cool little thing, uh, is, a th- is a little device called an Apple Core. Um, it's a tiny little plastic uh, cable organizer. It looks like an, an Apple Core, an Eaton Apple Core. Um, and I have bought maybe 50 of them now and keep giving them to people. They are the most useful thing for organizing cables. So if you are looking for a great way to sort of just clean up your cables, that's kind of what i would suggest right now so you randomly bought 50 apple cores and you're handing them out to people remind me to be around when you buy a car please (laughs) (laughs) i i like them so much and then i've just got a bag of them and i don't know what to do i don't have enough cables in my life at the moment you get an apple core and you get an apple core everybody Everybody gets an apple core (laughs) yes yes everybody everybody i work with is very happy at the moment and has no more tangled headphones so I think I've done well for productivity in my team. <laughs> so it's pretty much if you get anywhere near anybody from Driven Alliance, you get handed an egg. One of our little squashy stress eggs. Like, I don't think I know anybody anymore that doesn't have a stress egg yet. So, hey, Gordon, if you don't have a stress egg yet, you must let me know. I swear I will post you one. <laughs> Those things are awesome. They're also great to throw at people when you're just having a disagreement. But that is completely outside the realm of this topic. <laughs> Peter, your picks. So, um, um, recently I've uh, become aware of this little thing called Space Max. And uh, the punchline is that neither Emacs or Vim wins, uh, which hopefully causes a bit of controversy. Um, so, Space Max is pretty much like a, like a mix between the two. It's Emacs um, with um, Vim... Uh, like a proper like Vim key bindings, and it's just a well put together, um, like an editor with all like sane plugins and stuff like that. So uh, it's definitely worth worth a check um, if you're 
um, using Vim or Emacs right now. SpaceMax is like the Switzerland of editors, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, Gordon? So my picks, um, so I've always worked with centralized source control. I've never had to really worry about big binaries being in source control. Um, now all the cool kids are using Git, so I thought I'd use Git and then changed a couple of big files a couple of times and then was told not to do that. Um, and last week, uh, GitHub announced that, that um, a, a preview for their large binaries. So now you'll be able to, as part of the, the regular source control, um, basically host a large binary and basically treat those files separately to the way it would treat the, your regular source, um, which is pretty cool. That is definitely, yeah, I saw that and I, I had a look at it and I thought, but why would you want to put a large binary in a Git repository? And then I saw some other examples and I thought, okay, well, it kind of makes sense now. So, yeah, I, I do think that's pretty cool. Um, right, so mine. And nobody stole my pick, so I could have gone first. You see, Len, we're not that in sync this week. <laughs> so this uh, my, my pick for this week is actually uh, Rethink DB2. Uh, they've done a fair amount of work after the initial release um, of Rethink DB. Um, for those people that don't know, Rethink is very it, it's it's a NoSQL database. Um, I want to say similar to Mongo, but I want to I want to kick myself when I hear those words coming out of my mouth. Um, and it's it's support for for I've forgotten what the term now is. I want to say mirroring is is incredible. Rethink DB is the new web scale source, yo. Please, so do not quote me on that. Because <laughs> if I get sued by somebody, I'm just going to completely disavow all knowledge of it. No, no, dude, we're, we're letting you go over the edge. You've just lisped. You're uh, telling us, <laughs> us rethinkers like the next web scale thing. People in the years to come will be quoting you. They'll go, who was that guy who said, you know? <laughs> uh, who, who, who was that guy that was so... That w when Node was first released, there was this guy that released this video that was like, oh, you know, Node this and Node is cancer and Node... It was just yeah, like, it's what? hilarious, that video. That, yeah. And, and the, the sad part is that this guy was, was being 100% serious. Like, I was really hoping to watch some of his other videos and see that he was just a prankster, but it turned out that he was completely legit. Um, right, so if my power goes off now, Len, luckily you are recording... Um, so, Rob, do you just want to quickly um, give us like uh, where people can follow you online, uh, your blog URL, and so forth? Uh, totally. So you can get hold of me, uh, and my blog is sadev.ca.za, and I'm on Twitter at rmclean. Uh, Gordon? Um, yeah, my blog is binary-stuff.com, and Twitter alias at Gordon Beaming, no spaces. Excellent. Uh, I will make sure that we include those links in the show notes. Um, as for Len, Peter, and I, we'll, you know, we're at the usual spots. Uh, Rob, Gordon, thank you very, very much for, for coming on and, uh, and having a chat with us. I really do appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for, for having us. Yeah. Thanks, guys.